The Chris Sheeran Show, only on YesNetwork.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of The Chris Sheeran Show here on YesNetwork.com and at the iTunes podcasts uh, at iTunes. You could download this, subscribe to it for free 99. It's Chris Sheeran at Chris Sheeran, yes, and at Lou DePietro, yes, coming at you once again here in this post-Dallas Cowboys uh, playoff uh, era now. Uh, I know a lot of Cowboy fans out there are disappointed. And I have to tell you something. I have to be completely honest. Those of you who are not Facebook friends with me know that I have sided with America's team after this weekend. Because the way I look at it, and I don't know how Lou looks at it. He did like my status, though. But he likes the Eagles. I like the Giants. The last team we want to advance in the playoffs is the Dallas Cowboys. That's true. All right. We're, we're in agreement on that. But I'm sure my co-host and partner in crime here would also agree with the fact that in that Des Bryant situation, he would close his eyes and put Jeremy Macklin in that same situation, or I would put Odell Beckham Jr. or Victor Cruz or uh, Ruben Randall in that same situation. And if that was either one of our receivers that made that catch and then it was ruled incomplete in that area of that game, listen, we'd all be upset. Now, to sit back and just be a Giant fan or an Eagle fan and and you don't look at it objectively, come on. You're a better football fan than that. The older I get, the venom towards these other teams – it kind of oozes out, and I, and I look at it from an objective way of looking at it. I have to. It's my job, and it's your job too. Do we still have fun? Absolutely. But we take a step back, and we look at it the way a, a sports host or sports talk show host should look at it. So reading the rule over and over again, just to me, the fact that it's you know section this and rule this and subparagraph that, hey, NFL – Get your act together. you got to go back into this rule book, especially with this definition of a catch. And after I put this um, Facebook post up about me thinking that Des Bryant should have been down at the half-yard line and the Cowboys should have been in business there, um, someone immediately put the YouTube clip, which I remember, of Calvin Johnson and his non-catch against the Bears. Mm Mm-hmm. The Detroit Lions tweeted Think about it. the Lions and how they've been jobbed, <laughs> you know? It, it just – all right. So Calvin Johnson catches the ball. Just look it up on YouTube or the NFL.com. They still have it. Why NFL.com still has it up, I have no idea. Well, it was only about four years ago or so, right? Yeah, Three, but you would ago, think yeah. they'd erase that. Well <laughs> – much like not seeing the Ray Rice tape. <laughs> you, you wouldn't think the Jets' own website would have trashed yeah. Woody, uh, John Hitzik and Rex Ryan before they got fired too, but hey. Yeah, but, um, but you look at that Calvin Johnson catch against the Bears. He catches it, goes down to the ground, pops back up, and then the ball comes out. By rule, he did not complete the process of the catch. Please explain what the process is because as a running back, all you have to do, and there was a game this year between the Vikings. Ah, who was the other team? I think it was the Lions. I might be mistaken, but it might have been Vikings-Lions. Running back reaches over, breaks the plane, ball gets knocked out, defense recovers, call on the field, fumble, going the other way. They review it. Touchdown. The, the tip, the very tip of the ball. All it has to do is break the plane, and it's a touchdown. Just to see how it feels. But for a receiver, click, but for a receiver, if they have both hands around the ball in the end zone with both feet down, the ball has broken the plane about eight yards of it, for crying out loud. If a defender comes over and knocks it out of their hands before they make a football move or complete the process, it's incomplete. How could the ground – this is the common denominator, okay? How could the ground not cause a fumble but can cause an incompletion? Because the ground is God. Oh, my God. Did the ground make up these rules? Sure did. The frozen tundra ground. You know, this is LOL worthy of the NFL. It really, it really is. is. The, the process of a catch, yes, needs to be defined 
I understand the the process of a catch theory in a situation where like quarterback throws the ball to the outside of the receiver's arms. He has his feet down, tippy toe in the sideline, the corner of the end zone. He reaches over, makes the catch, falls to the ground, has to hang on to it. Yes, he had two feet in bounds. Yes, he had his hands around the ball, but that's in the process of making the catch. If someone is in the air, as soon as their feet touch the ground, they have made the catch. Right, but they have to make a football move. What is what he reached what, for I, the end what is he zone? Gonna, what is he going to do? The hustle to, in the I end know. zone? No, you didn't think you were going to hear the hustle today. A, on the foot, podcast, a football move. What is he going to do? Beat his wife in an elevator? Oh is that boy. a football move? Oh Come boy, on. here we go. No, uh, um, but that was a fair point, by the way. No, but the process of the catch is as bad, or if not worse, than. The process of the Knicks trying to learn the triangle. <laughs> I mean, let's be honest here. I, I got to say this about the Des Bryant thing. I was I was rooting for the Cowboys this week. Reason? Couldn't care less about any of the teams in the playoffs other than the Colts. So I want the Cowboys to win so I can root against them. Well, so I, I care. Right. And I wanted to see Dallas at Seattle again. I wanted to see part two of that. Yeah, I, I mean, don't want to see a, a, a gimpy Aaron Rodgers limping up and down the field in Seattle. Yeah, the vitriolic jerk in me wants to see the Cowboys get all the way to the Super Bowl <laughs> and then get clobbered because that's just the, you know what I mean? Yeah. That's, that's, the, that's the Eagles fan in me. I'm happy the Colts actually beat Peyton Manning because now I have a reason to care about the final weekend of the yeah. NFL season. But from what I saw, he catches the ball, he stumbles forward, he hits the ground. The ball doesn't come out until after he hits the ground. That's a catch. But the ball hits the ground, and he starts turning over, and the ball pops up in the air and falls back into his chest. So if you read the letter of the law in the rule, it says he has to – if the ball – comes out, he must recover that ball before it hits the ground. But if any part of and the ball does that. hit the ground, then it's a gray area and you can't tell. That's oh, the problem is you can't tell. Here's what I said to my father because the day after, and we're both rabid Giant fans, <laughs> and we both thought the Cowboys got robbed. So put that in a little blender there and try to <laughs> figure that out for I, Again, a I thought it was a catch too. But I said to him, immediately this is what came to mind. I, I, I'm a Catholic. Ten commandments come into play here. The, the commandment, thou shalt not kill, is pretty straightforward. <laughs> as a rule book. Murder. At, yes. As a rule book from God, thou shalt not kill, or thou shalt not steal, or thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's wife, they're pretty black and white. Yep. They, you know when you're breaking those rules. Theft, murder, and adultery. Right it, there. It's, done. It's not thou shalt not kill. Unless you want to complete the process. <laughs> Thou shalt not complete the process of a kill. Yes. Attempted murder that, is fine. That, that is not the, that's not the way the commandment reads. The NFL has to go back into the rule book and they have to clearly define what a catch is. It's kind of like Bill Clinton, too. When they asked him Hi. point blank, well, it depends on what your definition of is is. He was the coolest cat on the planet when he was Loop the president of the United City. States. You have to define – you have to tell me what your definition of is is. That's like the, the murky water that the NFL rulebook is in right now. It's like Clinton wrote the damn rule for, for a catch. It's, it's a rule that's got too much of a gray area in too many circumstances. Again, like I said, when you're, when you're throwing the ball out of the back of the – you're throwing one of those fades that the Giants do are, every play. Yeah, do every play. <laughs> That Victor Cruz ended his season on, unfortunately. Yeah. If you're throwing that pass, and the guy's at the back pylon, and he makes the catch, and he's falling forward, and he's got his tippy toes down, and then he, then he hits the ground, and he fumbles. You have to be like, okay, well, you know what? That's not a catch. But then, like you said, the ball broke the plane of the end zone 10 yards See, that's ago. Why, so... Right. That's why I don't <clears> get that. If you, if you have the ball in your hands, your feet are down, and then you go to the ground – if the ball can't cause the fumble, how could it cause the ball to be an incomplete pass? But then again, here's here's the other thing about weird NFL rules is that according to the break of the plane rule, uh, the plane of the end zone goes all the way again. around the world. <laughs> so you can find the plane of yes. the end zone at Giant Stadium is also in like China. Yeah, Vietnam. So it goes all the way around the world. But for a guy going out of bounds, he has to get the ball inside the pylon right. for it to count. Right. Which so is it can't it? be outside the pylon. So where is it? It ends there. So do you need a passport to get to that other you side of the to. world? Yes. That's why it's not a touchdown if you put it on the opposite side of the pylon. 
What if you do a front flip? I'm so confused. And the right ball now. comes out halfway. What if you do that helicopter thing? Remember that hit John Elway? It was a yes. John Elway against helicopter? Yes. What if that happened? Against the Packers. We're not going to see Packers Broncos in this Super Bowl. Hello. 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 It's, uh, yes. The, here, let me, before. They, they need to fix that. They do. They, they definitely need, to fix, need to fix it. And and as we continue to talk football here, I just want to throw it out there. And I know there's probably a lot of Patriot fans that listen to this podcast. And I'm sorry to tell you this. And I, I have nothing but respect for Tom Brady and Bill Belichick and that whole organization, the way it's run. Um, but I would love nothing more. Than to see them lose? No, than to have Andrew Luck go through Peyton Manning and Tom Brady to get to the Super Bowl. And Andy Dalton. Oh, that doesn't really. Yeah, I, I so would, yeah, everybody no. does that, yeah. Yeah, but that would be great. I would love to see Luck. And then Aaron Rodgers in the Super Bowl. Think, I mean, think about that. It's possible. It is. That'd be a hell of a run. It would be. For both, that's like knocking off. You know, that's like winning Wimbledon by knocking off Nadal, Federer, and Djokovic uh, well, would, three in a row. Not because I'm a Giant fan, but it would be like that run that they went yep. on, where they had to go on the road to beat Green Bay, and then they had to go on the road. Well, they beat Atlanta at home, then they beat Green Bay, and then they beat San Francisco on the road. Yep, that and was then that. won the Super Bowl. And then they be, so Eli, they yeah, Eli went through Matty Ice, then he went through Aaron Rodgers, then he went through you know Alex Smith, <laughs> and then he went through. Tom Brady. I mean, that was a heck of a run, too. But if Luck can do that, you know, with Dalton out of the picture, because the guy, you know, he's 0-4, first round in the playoffs. Yeah. But he'll gone through Peyton Manning. Mm-hmm. Even Manning and Brady is a Hall of Famer. Run. Yeah. Brady, Hall of Famer. Aaron Rodgers, maybe a Hall of Famer. So I have, I think, I think I'm going to get on the Colts bandwagon, and and I love the post game celebration that they do the Ric Flair, the two claps and the yeah. Ric Flair. Well, they do that have is a, tremendous. They do have Ahmad Bradshaw, even though he's hurt, and Hakeem Nicks. So I mean, you got Ex-Giants. that. You got that. There you go. I can root for AQ Shipley from his tenure as the Eagles' third string center. <laughs> Fine with that. I can't think only of you would have. bring up a third string yeah. center. I don't know. I think that's the only ex Eagle they have. <laughs> That's tremendous. Um, yeah. So if 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 we want to do picks really quick, I, I if I'm picking with my heart, I'm going Colts and I'm going uh, I'm going mm-hmm. Seahawks. I think it's going to be Seattle and Indianapolis uh, in Arizona. I'm going to go with Seattle and New England just because as much of a great run as that would be, the Colts offense worries me. And when you got Revis Island out there on T. Y. Hilton, takes away a lot. It does. Uh, but if you could. Um, Envision for a second. Plus, the Colts' run defense is not not great. You're not you're not good, Danny. <laughs> <laughs> you're not good. The Colts' run defense isn't great, and the, the Patriots have what 37 running backs, give or take, that that, that they yeah. can whip out at any point in time. So. Yeah, pretty much. That's the way Belichick builds his system. And yeah. if you ever take a Patriot running back, it's pretty much potluck yeah. or it's potpourri on Jeopardy. Yeah. I'll take the Patriots running backs for 300, please. Even, Alex. even Corey Dillon was was not a feature back <laughs> in the couple years he was there. So, yeah, so I'm hoping Seattle and Colts, but it's probably going to be uh, Seattle and Patriots. It'll be the old guard in uh, Brady taking on the new young gun, Russell Wilson, looking for a second in a row. Aaron Rodgers is going to be running for his life. And Katy and- Perry at halftime. And by the way, you know what gets me upset about that Pepsi commercial, the old school football players going back and forth? Now that I have a microphone in front of my face. I have the microphone. Listen, if you're going to have a halftime old school football with the leather helmets and you see the girls pull up with the car and it th- we have Pepsi. Let's just take 15 minutes. The second half would have been full of guys with bent over with gas pains. Just like, hammering down. Why Pepsi's did we drink soda? <laughs> we can't play the second half. Just hammering it. Go easy on the Pepsi. You folder. can't drink Pepsi and then go play football. <laughs> that, that is the most asinine commercial I've ever seen in my life. I do enjoy Katy Perry though. I'm kind of looking Yes. That, that's a guilty pleasure. I do enjoy Katy Perry music. I, I, I really... I'm looking could, forward to it. I really could care less about her music. Well, yeah. But I, I love me some Katy Perry. You're going to say she's an attractive woman. We all know that. She too, is. I, who, who else wouldn't... Mm-hmm. Lo- uh, there's something about a brunette with blue eyes, baby. Mm-hmm. There's just something about that. And Katy Perry, she could do the halftime every damn year. Yeah, she's, she's a good looking I, I kind of enjoy her music, too. Not going to lie. It's a little... <laughs> Might need to take my man card away, but it's okay. I'm, nah. I'm down with that. I like did Justin you, Timberlake, Did you see too. the interview yet? No. I, I, I rented it. On, no, I uh, on the um on the on, I went out to Detroit, as we both know, for yes. the Nets. And I needed a flight. I needed a movie on the flight. So I downloaded on the uh, the iTunes. Uh, it was $6. Uh, great. Yeah, I would have spent 15 in the movies. I spent yeah. 6 on it. 
I have to say it was pretty damn funny. Did and you did you watch it back and forth? Because that flight to Detroit's only like an hour and change. No, I got through it. Okay. I got through it. It, it was actually perfect. We landed and the credits started rolling. Nice. So yeah, it was it was a perfect movie. And think of uh knocked up Mary's um what's the other one? Uh Super Bad. Okay. All it, Judd Apatow movies, oh, Seth Rogen. It's involved, just yeah. so I thought it was hysterical, and the reason I brought it up was Kim Jong-un in the movie. They're in a tank, and he's showing James Franco the tank, and, oh, you have a sound system in here, and he hits play, and it's Katy Perry. (laughs) And Kim Jong-un turns out to be a huge Katy Perry. Baby, you're a firework. And that's what they're playing as they launch a missile out of the tank. So yeah, I just wanted to see if you saw it. We get we get I, I, we got free movies good. on our flight home from Florida before Christmas, so I watched mm-hmm. the new Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. How was that? It was okay. Yeah, yeah. I didn't want this to turn into Siskel and Ebert, but I just wanted <laughs> I just wanted to see if you saw it. I thought, no, I have not seen it. yet. I thought it was quality. I really. The did. wife did just say to me the other day, she's like, "We don't go see movies enough." And I was thinking to myself, there's no I'm time. like, there's, I, I have no time. It's not even no time. It's like I don't really want to spend thirty dollars to go sit in a movie. Yeah, theater. that too. Yeah. Before the popcorn and the drink and the yeah. raisinets and whatever the hell, goobers or whatever you got. Because yeah, the movie theater in New Rock, I have to park. I have to pay to park, too. So that's an extra, like, three bucks. That's ridiculous. Yeah. It's kind of too too far away to walk, but not, you know, Yeah, not not far enough away that I can go somewhere else. Now, now since, we, uh, since we're on football, national championship, yeah. Oregon, Ohio State. Katy now, Perry likes college football, too. She does. She does. She just did. she was on game day or one of I think it was game day picking uh, I want to say it was one of the old Miss games uh-huh. when they were down there in Oxford and then she went out afterwards and there was like pictures of her on Twitter like at the bar hanging out with old Miss fans and see and whatever, I don't think so. my wife would have an issue if we moved to Utah and she was a sister wife right I, I really don't think she'd have an no? issue with that hmm. maybe I'll talk to her that'd about be cool that. Yeah. I'd miss you though it'd be kind of a tough commute for the podcast I'll call in there you go <laughs> Skype. <laughs> Skype in. And then we could have, you know, it could be like uh, the Katy Perry uh, sister wife um, reality show. Right. Just bring in a couple more actresses. She could hyphenate her name, Katy Perry Sheeran. Oh, that sounds really good. There you go. I mean, I'm no Russell Crowe, but that didn't work out. I'm not Russell, Russell Crowe. Russell, Russell Brand. I had my Russells mixed up there. Enough about entertainment. I'm going to, uh, yeah, let's go back to football here. Sorry, everybody. We ain't, we ain't here to play school. Just tangents. Tang- yes, Cardell Jones. How are you? Um, that we was don't the, have to go to class. All we have to do is play football. Why should we have to go to class if we came here to play football? Football in all caps. We ain't come. We ain't come to play school. Wow. Classes are pointless. This is a 22 year old sophomore Classes in college. Right are there, pointless. a 22 year old who should have graduated college already. He's a sophomore. Graduated. But he just won the Big Ten championship, the Sugar Bowl against Alabama, and the national championship first ever. Those are his first three starts. Now. He didn't have good games. It's this is the Big be, Ten championship. He did the Big Ten championship. He threw seventeen passes. It was twelve for seventeen for that ridiculous yardage total and three touchdowns, and it was still Elliott's day. Now, there's a disclaimer on this discussion. I did not watch the national championship. I have a good excuse. You were here. I was hosting the Nets and the Rockets. Now, if my partner wants to know anything about that Nets Rockets game. The only thing I know about it is there was a headbutt. Yeah, the KG yeah. headbutt on, on Dwight Howard. Mm-hmm. I can, you know, wax poetic about that for 15 minutes. But since no one cares about that game, I'm going to have my partner here break down the national title game. Now, I did see – now, looking at – I did the highlights the next day. I, I read the game story. Listen, when you have four turnovers, especially in the second half, back-to-back turnovers mm-hmm. – when you're that coach, you're not expecting to walk off that field a winner. No. They won by 22. When your quarterback has three of those turnovers on his own, he threw a pick and lost two fumbles. It wasn't like it was, you know, it wasn't a Hail Mary that he threw the interception So he had a Geno Toretta-esque mm-hmm. game. Listen, it wasn't five interceptions. He had a Geno Smith-esque game. Oh, okay. Let's put it that way. You want to go more recent? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Most of the people that are listening to this don't know who Geno Toretta is. I'm sorry. Oh. I'm 41. Oh. But... No, I mean he had. I think he had like some like 197 yards and, and the touchdown and an interception and two fumbles lost. And in that Wisconsin game, they won 59 nothing and they were up big. So yes, they were up big so early and so quickly that he didn't have to throw the ball a lot and he didn't. But when you look at the numbers, he was 12 for 17 for 200 some yards and three touchdowns. 
His game in the Sugar Bowl, again, not great, but Elliott ran wild. Dude had like 700 yards in the last three weeks of the I, season. I looked at that, too. He he didn't have a 200 uh, rushing yard game until the last three weeks of the season. Yeah. The Big Ten Championship, the Sugar Bowl, and then the national title, and it went up. He, I think he had 226, 230, and 246 in those three games. Yeah, like, and he it, had eight touchdowns in his first 11 uh, games, and he had 10 in his last four I mean, he just turned it on at the end there. He was unbelievable. Yeah, I'm, lo- I'm looking it up as we speak just to get the exact numbers. And plus his name is Ezekiel Elliott, which is a great football name. Zeke Elliott. Zeke Elliott. I mean, that's, that's a great football name. Uh, let's go to uh, – yeah, let's do that. Here we go. Uh, he had 1,878 yards and 18 touchdowns this year. And I'm pretty sure a good third or more of that in the yardage category and half of those touchdowns came in the last three to four weeks. Absolutely. He, he just beast-moded it. And yeah. by the way – <clears throat> you know, I hear all these things about Marshawn Lynch, and he's a great running back. Don't get me wrong. And Ezekiel Elliott ran all over the place. Mm-hmm. Being a former offensive lineman in Pop Warner. 696 yards, eight touchdowns on 76 rushes in the last three weeks of the season. That's unbelievable. Uh, yeah. Can we give some props to the offensive that's like, line? That's like what, like, I, I hate to say this because I know you're, gen- like, that's like what Rashad Jennings did this year. Yeah. In three games. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's insane. But can we give some credit where credit is due? The guys that are in the trenches. You know, they used to call Patton blood and guts. Oh, blood and guts. Our guts, his, our, our blood, his guts. Mm-hmm. You know, with, with these guys, it's their glory and the offensive line's guts. So let's give the offensive line for Ohio State a, a, a huge pat on the back for the last three weeks and their domination of Wisconsin first, yep. and then Alabama second. And Alabama's defense, by the way, which is you know every year nationally Al- ranked. Alabama's in the top in the five, top five in, in yards allowed and scoring just about every, every year. year. Yeah. So to do what they did to Alabama in that Sugar Bowl to get to the national title game, and then to do what they get, did against Oregon in the title game, you've got you know that that trophy should be given to them for at least a month at a time, and they, they should be able to do whatever the hell they want with it, like the Stanley Cup, because those guys earned it. They deserve it. It's uh, It was 242 yards, a touchdown, an interception, and two fumbles lost in the Oregon game. He threw 23 passes. He managed the game. I yeah. mean, and it's easy to manage the game when you have Elliott behind you doing what he's doing. 17, 12 for 17, 257, three touchdowns in the Wisconsin but game, that, and then they let that, Elliott run wild. That guy, that 22-year-old sophomore, can walk around campus, and apparently he doesn't go to class. He just plays football. He ain't here to play school. Um, he can walk around campus saying, I won mm-hmm. the Big Ten title. I won the Sugar Bowl. Yeah. And I won the national championship. To be fair, if I were him this spring, I wouldn't be there to play school either. Because he's a hero on that campus right now. Right. It's their sixth ever national championship. They move into the top five uh, in that with the, since 1936, since the poll era began. And, you know, you look at Urban Meyer. <laughs> just look. He doesn't have a – he has three quarterbacks. What does he do next year? It's I mean, an embarrassment of riches. There were there, – that's like having like a sixth or seventh starter in baseball. Urban Meyer's system has always been like that, though. When he was at Florida, he had You're quarterbacks right. on You're quarterbacks on quarterbacks. Right. And when he left, you see what happened. Jeff Driscoll took over and stinks. Yep. And now it's Treon Harris, who, who starting as a true freshman. But he had – I mean, he had Tebow and he had Leak and he had all these guys that just – you know, it just seemed like there was another one. Yeah, Jeff in Brantley. Right at, yeah, he, yeah, he uh, could just plug him in. Behind, not Jeff Brantley. The, Jeff Brantley's a major league pitcher. Yes, you know who I'm talking about. I can't think of his name. I'm drawing a blank on his name now. But the guy that replaced Tim Tebow, I'll think of it. He was there for yeah. like a year. Or two, I remember Lee, and then Driscoll yeah. took over. Anyway, point yeah. being, point being, yes, he has an embarrassment of riches. Here's the problem: Brantley pitched for the Reds. I think he did. Yeah, yeah, Jeff Brantley. Uh, here's the problem he has. Braxton Miller is a redshirt senior. This is last year of eligibility. Mm-hmm. He could theoretically transfer and play right away because he got a medical redshirt, so he could play right away. He may have even graduated, which anyone who followed Russell Wilson's career knows. You graduate, you can transfer, immediate eligibility as long as you go somewhere with a grad program that they don't have, which is why he went to Wisconsin because I think Wisconsin has like a graduate program in like text messaging or something ridiculous. <laughs> So, you know, you know, sports, some kind of weird sports Got management doctor, psychology. I'm a doctor of social media. Doctor of thugonomics. <laughs> um, 
That's John Cena. Uh, you know, Wisconsin has like some kind of ridiculous grad program that Russell Wilson enrolled in, and mm-hmm. I used air quotes there because he went, he played his year, he went to the draft, and he was gone. Um, and then you have, um, yeah, you have Miller as a redshirt senior. You have Cardale Jones, who's a redshirt sophomore. So and he's JT Barrett, who was a fresh uh, redshirt freshman. So he still got he he still got one year of eligibility minimum. He should be the starting quarterback of that team next year. Barrett. Yeah. Yes. Or at the very least, it should be Miller with Barrett backing him up. And right. Then Barrett's it's Barrett's team for two years. Right. Problem is, where does that leave Cardale Jones? He can't transfer anywhere without sitting out a year unless he goes down a level like Cam Newton did when he went to junior college after leaving Florida and then came back to Auburn. Mm-hmm. He can't really – I mean, he's really not going to be the starting quarterback of that team. He can't be. But not right those now, guys are healthy. But right now, he's probably going to fail out of school given his tweets. I mean, he's clearly not an academic uh, All-American. Well, uh, well, see, this is the problem I have. But his stock is so high right now. Now, look, if you got his transcripts right now and he doesn't go to class – how is he playing in that game? I'm sure he goes to class, but how is he eligible to play in that game? But think about years in mind, freshman and sophomore years of college. I took like accounting and volleyball and all kinds of ridiculous like gen ed classes. So it was basically a well fifth, to get him out of the way. Yeah. It was basically a fifth and a fifth and a half year of high school. The Jeopardy classes, as I call them, right? Child yeah. psychology for six hundred. Yeah. Alex. yeah, botany. Um, <laughs> I learned I learned a lot about plants in college, but not anything legal. I'll take astronomy for a thousand. Um, so, you know, maybe he's doing that, but... That's a second Jeopardy reference in this podcast. It is. I watch Jeopardy every night. I enjoy it. Do you really? I do. Yeah. I DVR it. I'm not even kidding. I DVR it. One of I my favorite Jeopardy moments ever, Bill Murray and Groundhog Day, he knows all the answers and he's just sitting there and he's answering everything because he's watching it every mm-hmm. day, the same episode, and mm-hmm. everybody's like, oh my God, he's a G. <laughs> anyway, continue. I'm sorry. Ding. <laughs> um, here's the problem with Cardinal Jones. His stock is so high right now. That he's a third-string quarterback who had three average to good game manager games in the three biggest games of the season, the conference championship game and the two playoff games. And he's such a prototypical quarterback in terms of size. Somebody will draft him in the – like Terrell Pryor. Somebody will draft him in the fifth or sixth round. He may be good. He may not. Who knows? Well, he could also go to North Carolina and lay low for a year. He really doesn't have to go to class there. He can take a class on, like, spelling. Um, what do you do? Like, what do you do? He's not pro ready. No, but his stock will probably never be higher and he's eligible. Yeah. So what do you do? Do you take the millions of dollars you're going to get for being a fifth round draft pick? Or do you go back to Ohio state where you're the third string quarterback? You're you're a campus. You're going to get buried again. You're campus. After doing what you just did. You're a second string quarterback at best. Cause even if Miller's like, you know what? I'm going to go transfer somewhere and take my last year and and Mm -hmm. see you later. Right. He's he's still going to be JT Barrett's backup, as he should be, because Barrett's the better quarterback. The, the comparison I made when someone asked me this was Matt Castle, who never started a game at USC his entire career, but was such a good heady quarterback. And USC won a lot of games by blowout, so we got a lot of he got a lot of run in those days. Somebody drafted him. The Patriots took him in the seventh round. He went eleven and five he in did, his one season. Brady as a starter, got hurt, yeah. and he's had a pretty good NFL career. Granted, he was a fourth-year senior at that point and had mm-hmm. been a back of his whole career. He wasn't a third-year sophomore who had redshirted and then never played. But the point stands. Talent will eventually overcome. Right now, his stock, his stock will probably never be higher than it is right now. You're absolutely right. It'll be, it's going to be interesting to see what he does. Um, and it's been interesting to see what Brian Cashman has been doing with this Yankee team this offseason. Ooh, a segue. Yeah, do you, you like that? Like Doug, Doug probably misses my segues. Um, I have to text him, see if he misses that. I actually I, – I watched the other night. He was on sports. Yeah. He was doing sports night, and uh-huh. that was the night Duke lost to NC State. Right. And I could feel the pain in his voice as he was reading the Duke highlight because <laughs> I know he's a huge Duke fan. But uh, I'm yeah. a Carolina fan, so we clash on that. And I'm a know. St. John's guy, yeah. so my so. pain is just inevitable <laughs> Perpetual. every season. Yeah, since 2000 when uh, Ron Artest was on the – oh, I'm sorry, Meta World Peace was Panda on. Friend? Is that his name now in China? I have no idea. We get, you know, randomly, this is a random aside, but here in the building, we get, like, random channels on the satellite because we're a TV mm-hmm. sports company. Right. So we get One World Sports on our random in-house TV, and I was watching a Chinese basketball game oh, the other boy. day, and Ron Artest was in it. It was his – he wasn't playing because he's hurt, but it was his team, and there's a couple other, like uh, – Andre Blatch on the other team? <laughs> there was a couple other, like, like notable Americans. He's averaging, Americans. like, 36. Yeah. <laughs> There were a couple other notable Americans that played in the game. I can't remember who they were, but I was like, oh, I know that guy. And I'm watching the game. It's like Sichuan versus – I forget who the team was. But it was 
you know, I think his name is Panda Friend now or something oh like my that. Good Lord. I... Boutros, Boutros, golly. <sighs> Brian Cashman, sorry. Random aside, yeah, my no, bad. No, no, I do that to you right. a lot. I did it to you earlier, going on my tangent with movies. So I talked to I, another random aside. I talked to, you may remember this name if you're a UFC or wrestling fan, Dan the Beast Severn. I do not. One of the original UFC greats. I chatted with him last night for uh, for another project that I'm working on, and uh, he told he was he was giving me some great stories about about how just gross UFC was back in the day. I'm sure he was, and uh, the benefits and long term ill effects of cauliflower ear. I'm yes, sure. <laughs> <laughs> awful, um, and all kinds of random international shenanigans that went along with I'm being sh- a UFC fighter. I am sure, just like the WWE. <laughs> That those stories are tremendous. It was fantastic. Uh, to be a fly on the wall of a limousine or anything uh, in those uh, both both of those sports uh, back in the day when uh, either Flair or Hogan or any of those guys were savage Did were you, running. I, you, see, you were, you were of a little, you're a little bit older than me. So yeah. you would have been a little bit older when it came around when UFC was first a thing. Did Were you a I, – I never got into it. I'll be honest with you. I, I mean I remember it. being – 15 or 16 years old and we in my hometown we used to have this place where high school and middle school kids could go like once or twice a month mm-hmm. and hang out with your friends and socialize whatever it was like 10 bucks to join and one night the the lady who who ran the place her boyfriend brought a vhs tape of like ufc 5 or something like he had run and just watching these guys maul each other it was amazing when you're 15 and you're like <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah you know now uh, now i I really don't follow UFC too much at all now, but yeah, I just, I don't know. Back in the day, that was hot. I just never got into it. Like I used to watch, see, I I was around when boxing was still relevant. Like when I was growing up, when I was, you know, 10 through 15, you had Tyson losing to Buster Douglas. Um, You had uh, Hagler and Hearns. You had Sugar Ray Sugar Ray Leonard. Uh, That's when, you know, we were just talking about this the other day. I mean, (laughs) boxing now boxing's titles and how many belts you have and how many divisions and and titles and everything that you go through in boxing now, I kind of... There's no point to being a champion. No, well, the way I related it is it's kind of gotten out of of hand as as to like those early college bowls that no one – I mean you'll watch it and people will bet on it because they do these things. This is for the WBIHFLC Super Straw Featherweight Championship. It diminishes what boxing – how proud and, and, and great a sport it once was and now it's just watered down to the point where Wait, what? <laughs> what title is it's that? It's like that scene in basketball where like the, the North South Central Division. Right. Exactly. Know. You can't that's why boxing yeah. in my opinion now, I think that's why boxing is struggling mm-hmm. because you have so many of these divisions and titles and it's nonsense. It back in the day it was who was the WBA uh, or IBF or WBO is like newer, yeah. but WBA, IBF, heavyweight champion of the world. The WBC. Or WBC. Too, right? Yeah. WBC. All three of them. All three of those. At every, like middleweight, welterweight. That was like the holy trinity of titles at Tyson. Right. Held, right? Those Featherweight. Three, yeah. That was like the holy grail. And now it's like watered down to the point where like, you're like, I don't care. Yeah. Then the heavyweight division, that division just hasn't been around for so long. You don't have – like Riddick Bowe to me was like the last heavyweight champion besides Lennox Lewis who had a little bit of flair and who made it sexy to keep fans around and buy the pay-per-views. Yeah. You know, now who is that guy? Well, see, here's the thing with that and I know, I know you host our boxing show. Right. So I know you're, you're in the loop with a lot of things right. that are going on in the world of boxing right now. Mm-hmm. I made a mistake a few months ago, maybe a year ago, that I will never make again. I bought a Floyd Mayweather fight on yeah, pay-per-view yeah. because I know now at this point what I'm getting when was I it, buy a Floyd Mayweather pay-per-view. Was it pay-per-view. the Canelo Alvarez one? Or? Yes. Okay. I know what I'm getting when I buy a Floyd Mayweather pay-per-view. I'm spending 55 or more dollars on 45 minutes of intense boredom. Yeah. Because as much of a grandiose personality as Floyd Mayweather is, his fights are like watching paint dry. Well, he's a surgeon. He gets in, he gets his points, he gets out. Yeah, you know, and and then he dances around for six rounds after he's got you beat. It's boring as hell. He's to watch. a boxer. He's like a pitcher. You know how we make that you know yeah. that that relationship between right. a, a power guy and a pitcher. He's a boxer, but it's boring as hell to watch. It is boring as hell to watch. His press conferences <clears throat> are 
Amazing. Amazing. And and they're better to watch than the fights sometimes. WrestleMania 24 when he fought the big show <laughs> when I was working at WWE and I had to interview Floyd Mayweather. Rocky against Thunder. It was like one of the most interesting interviews I've ever done because he's kind of an interesting and charismatic guy, yeah. even one-on-one. Mm-hmm. But his fights are boring. Yeah. And so this I'll, – I'll wrap this up and we'll go back to Cashman with another point that Dan Severn made to me last night. Go ahead. As I'm doing circular motions a, on the is, desk. This is a fine ta- tangent. Fine tangent. Yeah. The, the reason was because CM Punk, who was a WWE superstar, mm-hmm. like great, one of the best wrestlers in the world, is, going, is going to UFC. Right. So just talking to guys to see, you know, how is he going to do in UFC, this, that. And, and one of the things Severn said was this. People like to see the heavyweights, but it's the lighter weights that exert the most energy in fights, whether it's boxing, wrestling, MMA, jiu-jitsu, any kind of martial art. It's the lighter weights who exert the most energy who are doing the most, and that's where the most competition is. And it's true. I like I like to watch Mike Tyson knock some dude's head off in 90 seconds. But as warped as this sounds in your mind, I would rather pay $75 to watch Mike Tyson knock some guy's head off in a minute and a half than pay $75 to watch Floyd Mayweather dance for 45 I'll minutes. give you a name. The next pay-per-view fight, if you want to watch, or just a fight on you know Showtime, HBO, or ESPN, if Gennady Golovkin is on. Bless you. If he, he's a Russian fighter. If he's on, watch him. Because that's the kind of guy you want to watch. He's no nonsense. He goes out there. He goes right after his opponent. And when he hits you, you know it. Right. This guy, okay. he's got hands of stone, this guy. So if you want is to watch. A, what, what is he, a heavyweight, I, middleweight? I think, he's, Lower weight? I think he's a welterweight. I think he, I'm pretty sure he's a welterweight. Um, <clears throat> but that guy, oof. He, well, see, that's a beast. You know, you can you can say some of the bo- Floyd Mayweather's in that category. Alvarez, all these guys, De La Hoya, and you know Trinidad, and those guys back in the like, day. Bernard I would, Hopkins. I would love to see <clears throat> like a Mayweather Golovkin fight. That to me, <laughs> well, we've been waiting for Mayweather Pacquiao. For, yeah, well, so. I think now, I think that's jumped the shark. That's yeah. Fonzie already. Yeah. I mean, I I don't want to see that. And I think that's a lot. I mean, boxing fans will buy that just because they've been starved so long to see it. But I think it would have been so much better three or four years ago. Well, absolutely. It would have been so much better three or four years ago the same way a lot of dream but matches in any sport Juan Manuel Marquez decked yeah. Pacquiao. I mean, he knocked him out cold. Nadal, go back to tennis. Nadal Federer three, four, five years ago was a marquee matchup. Now they're both getting a little older. Injuries, yeah. it's not as great. Yeah. But that was my point is that all those guys I just named are middleweights, welterweights, lightweights. Can you name a heavyweight other than the guy no. who's married to Hayden Panettiere? Like, no, honestly, no. And that's the problem. It's one of the Klitschko brothers. I don't know which one, but I know it's one of them. It's that, and that's the problem with boxing. There, there, there isn't that look, you're never going to have another Muhammad Ali, but you know, even Larry Holmes was charismatic and, and he kept you engaged. Riddick <laughs> Bowe, as I mentioned, Mike Tyson, Lennox nice Lewis, Lewis, these guys, they, they, they all had that, that quality. Like, you know, I want to see him lose or I want to see him win. I like right. him. I like his bravado. You don't have that anymore. UFC it's just had not a, around. UFC had a lot of that in their heavyweight division for a while too, which is why Brock Lesnar was so huge. Not just because he was killing people, right? But because he's a, despite the character he plays on WWE television, he's actually a pretty charismatic and crazy dude. Yeah. All right. Back to Cash. That was good. Back to Cashman. But I like that. See, we could talk about anything. Yeah. This is what I love about this podcast. I'm doing it. I hope you listening to it. You love it too. But this you is what know. this is what we do. We we talk about movies. We talk about anything that, and, and it's just it's natural. That's what I love about doing this with you. And, and no offense to Joey, no offense to Doug. You know, it was the same with them. I had to build a relationship with Doug and build a little rapport with him. But once we got to know each other, it was fine, and we got to joke with each other. Joe and I were great. And now you and I have made a seamless transition. And you know, it's just it's fun. It's fun to get in here every week and to do this. And next week it's going to be extremely fun. Oh. Oh, baby. I'm not going to spoil anything, even though you told we, me what it is. We, we, we got a surprise guest hopping aboard with us next week. So, and, and for the, he's, I'll update my resume. He's, oh, stop. I'm kidding. We had, Joe and I had him on. He was great. <clears throat> he's outspoken, to say the least. And um, he's no longer in this market. But uh, he'll be jumping back on with us for a second time. And uh, he's, he's, he's a great guest, and he'll talk about anything. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about Rex and Buffalo. We'll talk about the Jets' new hire with him. We'll have some fun. And uh, it'll be must-listen 
podcast time next week. Yeah, we'll save. He was just announced today, but we'll save the Rex in Buffalo for next week then, because that's yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. Todd Bowles taking over as the head coach yeah. of the Jets. So we'll talk all about that <clears throat> next week. The the press conference, I think, for Bowles and McGinnon, their new GM, their new GM with who went to Petty in New Jersey, and their new coach is from Elizabeth in New Jersey. If you haven't seen it yet, Google the uh, high school picture of McGagagag at Petty. Mike Rifton. Yeah, Rifton. <laughs> Anchorman, folks. Watch it. It's yep. a classic. Rocks and Grabber. Ding. All right. Brian Cashman is the general manager yeah. of the New York Yankees. Yes, he is. And senior vice president, <clears throat> by the way. And he. And one L of a model American. <laughs> Ding. Just never stops. But Cashman, I just have to put it out there um, on some kind of medium. I haven't done it on Twitter. No one's going to see it on Facebook. Um, but I have to say it. What, what he's doing, in my, in my estimation, for the Yankees this offseason is something that he hasn't been able to do the past couple of years. It, the last couple of years, starting in 2009, it's just been a bazooka to kill an ant. You know, just signing, mm-hmm. you know, re-signing CeCe Sabathia to millions of dollars, the signing of A.J. Burnett, Mark Teixeira, and Sabathia in 2009, um, bringing in Carlos Beltran last year. Uh, you know, it just goes on and on and on. And Brian McCann, this offseason, you know, you basically have – you have the baseline that you need for this team. This team, healthy, can compete. If the, if the starting rotation, if Sabathia and Tanaka, and it's a huge if, I mean, pick the biggest font necessary and type that into your Word, uh, Word um, Microsoft yeah. Word, IF, big if. If they stay healthy all season long, every time you heard it on Hot Stove, I think it was Dave Waldstein who said, you know, every time Tanaka throws a splitter, you're going to be you're going to be doing that face, mm-hmm. you know, because you never know when that elbow <clears throat> could fail him. Uh, so if he goes, or if Sabathia's knee doesn't hold up through spring training, you know, the fact that Cashman and his crew are looking at Johan Santana right now, who's trying to make a comeback at 36 years of age, I'm seeing a lot of vitriol on Twitter about why. You know, I wanted Johan Santana 10 years ago. Well, listen. Look at Hiroki Kuroda. You know what? If you if you had given up, if you knew what Phil Hughes, Jabba Chamberlain, and Melky Cabrera were going to become, would you have given them up for Johan Santana exactly. 10 years ago? Exactly. Not only that, but <clears throat> now, you know, and Johan's been as hurt as, you know, Tanaka and Sabathia could be this year. But why not take a flyer on them? They haven't signed him yet. I'm not saying they have. They, they could. I mean, I could be missing the tweet that says he or, or the, 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 the note that says he was signed. But at the same time, Lou, why the vit- I mean, why not do your due diligence and see if this guy I mean, sign him to a one year deal, a minor league contract, okay? Maybe a one year deal. If he makes the big leagues, you know, he's gotten he gets like a million dollars as a base salary, and I'm just throwing this out there. And then you give him incentives if he hits ten wins, if he hits this amount. That's pretty much what the Orioles gave him last year. Right. What's the harm in it? Let me ask you a question, and this will validate your point. Okay. If I gave you the resumes, blind resumes, mm-hmm. you might notice Johan Santana because there would be a lot of empty space okay. the last few years. But if I gave you the blind resumes of Johan Santana for the last three years versus Bruce Billings, Chris LaRue, um, XYZ, mm-hmm. what's the difference? There is none. But Chris LaRue and Bruce Billings were two guys the Yankees signed to minor league deals last year to provide depth for their starting rotation and eventually their bullpen. Right. Neither LaRue nor Billings made a start for the Yankees, and Billings only made a couple of appearances, and so did LaRue. But they were starters in AAA. They were there. That was their role. So what if this year it's Johan Santana? Exactly. Johan Santana is not Johan Santana anymore. He never will be. But then again, CeCe Sabathia is not CeCe Sabathia CeCe anymore. CeCe Sabathia is topping out at 89. CeCe Sabathia is a number four starter. I don't know point. where Santana is. I don't know what he is on the gun. I haven't seen anything with his, his velocity. But I can tell you right now, he's not Johan Santana from 10 years ago. No. But neither is CeCe Sabathia. But if he can be Jarrett Wright from seven, eight years ago. And they gave him, what, $7, $7 million? $7 million. And he was, he was legitimately like a video game, six innings and out every start. And if you could do that with the bullpen the Yankees have put together and that stays healthy, my goodness. 
Do you, there's there's this guy I can't remember what his name was. He was a former Cy Young Award winner, just this like great pitcher of Hispanic descent, kind of overweight. Cologne, 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 Cologne. It was Bartolo. Bartolo I think. Yeah. Cologne. Is that what his name was? Yeah. People thought he was done and washed up when the Yankees signed him five years ago, and, and look what he did. Resurrected his career. Yeah, resurrected his career was a huge part of that team. Pitch for the him, Mets. Him and Freddie Garcia. And, you know, they were they were kind of... Forgot about. They were kind of the sort of half-back end of the rotation yeah, that year. Big 2000, yeah, 2011, mm-hmm. that was. And uh, look what happened. They win the division. They go to the playoffs. Garcia got another contract. Yeah, Cologne got two more contracts. Got two more contracts. So, I, who knows? I, people just love to... See, that's... This is what I was talking to Rod Boone about, the, the beat writer for the Nets for Newsday. New York absolutely loves a winner. There's oh, yeah. nothing like a winner in New York. But you know what else New York loves, and they'll never admit it? The underdog story. They love a loser as much as they love a winner. Well, they because, got a couple of good ones going on right now. Because they can, they can show that team on Twitter what New York is all about when it comes to their sports talk. Mm-hmm. I mean, the just the, the venom, the, the nastiness, it's... I, back in 2009, I used to say because I used to engage with Yankee fans. You know, they won the World Series that year, but there were still people in 2009 who didn't think the Yankees had a shot in hell to do what they did. Okay, basically, what I said, and, and it rings true. I grew up here. It's probably the same people that thought the Nick Swisher trade was stupid. Yeah, I grew up here. I, I, I'm one of you. I, I know what you go through on a yearly basis. I do, and I know your expectations. The New York fan is, what have you done for me lately, Janet Jackson, and Billy Joel, I go to extremes. From at bat to at bat, you want to cut a guy and then give him an extension. That's how this works. From a possession to a possession in basketball, football, or hockey, from period to period, they're the New York fan, one of the most ra- – and that includes the Bills, by the way, because they have an excellent fan base. Eli Manning, possession to possession, goes from the greatest quarterback in the world to send this guy to the arena. Oh, uh, he's not elite. Uh, yeah, but he has two MVPs in the Super Bowl and two Super Bowl rings. Can't spell elite without Eli. You can't. In my book – and people wanted him gone. He's in his la- the last year of his contract next year. People want Eli Manning gone. <clears throat> you people need help. You really do. You need to be on medication. Eli Manning can't go anywhere. You have to resign him. And I'll tell you this right now. Don't be shocked when Eli Manning signs a new contract and takes a hometown discount so that the Giants can are put better. put some talent around him. Yeah. Right. Right. And, and don't be shocked when Eli Manning wins his third Super Bowl. Because mark it down. It's going to happen. It's going to. He's a great quarterback. He might not be elite. He might not be Montana-esque, who has a great commercial out with the, with the rings, by the way. Mm-hmm. I forget what it was for, but great commercial. He's not Montana. Okay? He's not Marino. <laughs> but Marino's got a pretty empty hand. He does. But the guy, when push comes to shove, when the game is on the line, <clears throat> that, that pass to Manningham will always be in my memory banks. Always. There was no other place to put that ball. And he put he threaded a needle to Manningham to keep that drive alive to get the Giants that second Super Bowl win. He broke out of the clutches of the Patriots in the first Super Bowl in 42. Mike Carey was the referee in that one, by the way. CBS expert Mike Carey. Just thought I'd throw that out there. <laughs> Breaks out of that. Now, look. He was a good referee. If you want to define – he was. He was. I'm just saying maybe not so much now. But if you want to define – if you want to look up Hail Mary in the dictionary, it was that pass. It's David Tyree's helmet. Oh, my God. Yeah. I just – I'm not saying Eli had the skill. He, he, but he, if he doesn't break out of that sack, that throw doesn't happen. That catch doesn't happen. And, you can and take, that win doesn't and happen. And you can take it to any sport, any play, any type, anything. We're talking about the Yankees. Every. But if you can take any time, any sport, anything, and catch it, like things like David Tyree's helmet catch, that's the kind of stuff you need to happen sometimes. Yeah, You exactly. need that little bit of lady luck every once you in a do, while. You do, and you need a defense yeah. <laughs> that the Giants You were, had you were talking about the Yankees because you were talking about how everyone in New York loves a winner, but they also love a loser. They and do. right now, everyone on Twitter is 
fire Cashman. He stinks, this, that, the other thing. And let me tell you what. Brian Cashman knows what he's doing. He does. Because he, he, I, in my, like I said, in my estimation, and I'll shut up and let you talk. In my estimation, Brian Cashman is doing the best job in quite some time this offseason than, you know, than he's been allowed to do in the past five or six seasons. <clears throat> he is making the Yankees. He's he's got them he's got them depth and Garrett Jones I love that deal I hope that guy stays healthy because he's going to be able to make a difference on this team this year the yeah. pitching staff the starters are your only concern they need to be healthy and that's not the fault of Brian Cashman if CC Sabathia his body can't hold up that's not Cash's fault if Tanaka's elbow goes out it's not Cash's fault. Tanaka didn't want the surgery. As far as I'm concerned, it's Tanaka's elbow. If Tanaka wanted the surgery, he would have had the surgery. That's not Cash's fault. <clears throat> Cash's job is to give the Yankees the best opportunity to win. And if you think that's throwing a yacht load of money at Max Scherzer, it's not. It's not a one-man game. It's not. He's building a baseball team. That's what the Yankees need to do. The Yankees have to stop with the bazooka to kill ants and start building a baseball team. That's what Cashman is doing this offseason. He got the pieces last year. He got McCann. Okay? He got Beltron. He needs to stay healthy. Who else Can someone he- just finally come out and say that he hurt himself flipping over the wall in Tampa Bay and that was it? Can we just finally say that now? I know you'll never hear that, but look, dude flips over a wall. Two weeks later, his elbow hurts, and he can't throw the ball, and he can't hit anymore. And I guarantee you, what day is it today? Click. Ja- January 14th, because I know, because St. John's is playing again tonight. <laughs> but that's how I know it's January 14th. And the Nets are playing the, the, the Grizzlies, and I'm hosting tonight. But it's January 14th. I'm telling you right now, pitchers and catchers report in a little over two months. Five, no. Five weeks. You're right. Six weeks. No, it's January 14th. What am I saying? Less than... less February 20th. Yeah, le- a little over a month. So I'm telling you right now, by mid-May, all you fans out there that were BM and seeing about the signing of Chase Headley at third base, you're going to say, oh, thank God we signed this guy. I guarantee you. Two things I'm going to say. The first one I'm going to say is I, you might have heard me pop it in before. I said it's not a one-man game when you're talking about Scherzer. Yes. Anyone who wants to think so, look at last year's Dodgers. And uh, Doug and I had this conversation on our podcast at the end of the year. Tell me. Clayton Kershaw was, what, 21-3 and three last year? Yes. You take him out. You take away his games, mm-hmm. the games he started. The Dodgers were four games over 500. So that's, that's how much a one-man, a one-man team can help. When you've got a guy like Clayton Kershaw, but you still need a team around him to be any good. What was he able to, to do happen. in the playoffs? Exactly. But what I'm saying is the Dodgers were, you know, 70 and 70 in games Kershaw didn't get a decision, and 21 and 3 in games he did. So it's not like they were the 98 Yankees where anyone could have gone out there and won 15 games. <clears throat> Second point being is the reason I think a lot of people are down on this offseason, especially after the last two years, we're not used to not making the playoffs two years in a row. From a fan base perspective, Brian Cashman, this is this is the long con here, folks. This isn't a short term, right. as Chris said, bazooka to an ant. Carlos Beltran has two years left on his contract, which happens to be kind of coincidental that Aaron Judge is about two years away from the majors. Mark Teixeira has two years left on his contract. Kind of coincidental that Greg Bird should be about ready in two years. Brian McCann is the catcher, right? The Yankees still have 347 catchers in the minor league system, but still, you can never have enough catching. Depth. Right. Everybody's always looking for that catcher. Uh, they didn't have a shortstop. They didn't really have a good one. You know, if you looked at the best shortstop in the Yankees organization the minute Derek Jeter retired, it was probably Ali Castillo. And what's wrong with Stephen Drew? What, what was wrong with that signing? Nothing. He just had a bad year last year because the guy took three months off. And they only brought him back for a year. Yeah. They didn't give him a boatload of money. They didn't give him a, bo- a, a lot of years. They gave him mm-hmm. a year. He's a stopgap. Yeah. Ref Snyder will come along, and Ref Snyder, if he does come along, might be your second baseman of the future. He could, he could you know, $5 million to the Yankees is nothing. He could win the job out of spring training. You but, never know. Right, but there was a hole 
Cashman needed to fill it, and he did it, and he did it economically. He did it mm-hmm. smart. He didn't throw a bunch of money at a guy. He brought Drew back. He could play second. You got Gregorius at short. It's a pretty good double play combination up the middle. You just hope you get a little bit of offense out of both. You, think, you hope Drew bounces back. Gregorius, you know, you hope he hits 240. You could put the three of them in the infield, and nothing's getting out of it. Right. Okay, that's. The, I mean, that's Headley, Gregorius, and Drew. That's yeah. that's pretty. And Teixeira. Yeah. Let's not run, forget him. Run creation didn't work so well last year, so maybe run prevention will work. Exactly. But the point is this. Exactly. The spots where there's guys locked up long term are spots where, you know, Jacoby Ellsbury for six more years, Gardner for the four year extension that kicks in this year. They've got a lot of guys percolating in the upper levels. Like I said, Aaron Judge is a couple years away. If he's not ready in two years when Beltran's done, you've got Tyler Austin. You've got Ramon Flores. You've got Insert player X. Yeah, I mean, they brought back Slate Heathcott for some reason. Mason Williams. Mason Williams. You've got Yuri Perez is still on the 40-man roster. You've, you've got guys. Ben Gamble has been doing well down in the minors. Taylor Dugas has come out of nowhere all the way to AAA last year, and the, all the guy does is hit. Um, there's umpteen outfielders in the two upper levels of the system that can take over. Third base. You're looking at a situation where Jagailo had an injury-prone season last year. There's a little bit of concern about him. You know, Eric Duncan was just announced as a coach for the Staten Island Yankees next year. Right. And it made me laugh because I'm like, God, I hope Jagailo doesn't turn out to be Eric Duncan. But that happens. Yeah. That does happen. So they have Headley for four years, and they've got four years to figure out how good is Jagailo really. How good is Miguel Andujar, who was in Charleston for most of last year? Is Dante Bichette Jr. actually a good player, or did he just have a – dead cat bounce season in Tampa because he stunk when they brought him up to Trenton at the end of the year. Yeah. So he's going to be there this year and it's sink or swim for him at this point. Cause I think he's rule five eligible either this year or next year. And it's sink or swim time for him. They, the positions where they don't necessarily have a strong prospect base are locked up long-term in the majors. The positions where they do have a strong prospect base are two or three year deals in the majors. So there you go. That was, it's the long con. That's the right job here. that Cashman did, and that's what I was alluding to. I set it up. Lou just knocked it down. I mean, that's what you have to look at. I know Yankee fans expect a World Series title every single year. It's just not going to happen. You're not going to win the title every year. I know you want to get back in the playoffs. I know you want to compete. Think about this for a second, okay? And I know you might be shaking your head or rolling your eyes when I say it. Put your feet in the soles of the Cubs fan. Okay? Wow. 19-8. Okay? 19-8. People actually talked like that back then when yeah, they won see, their last World Series. Ah, see, the Cubs won the, uh, the, 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 the Chicago local nine won the World Series. See, you can't, see? Oh, my goodness. That's the way people were talking the last time the Chicago Cubs were winning a World Series. Don't even do that. This is New York. You're pretty close to New England. Go ask any Red Sox fan over the age of 30. Yeah. Yeah, I, listen, the Mets haven't won since 86. That's the, we're going on 30 years here. And their and their playoffs, you know, their appearances in the playoffs have been sparse. So you you got to just chill and and let Brian Cashman who who you wanted to get rid of too, do his job. Let him do his job and and the way Lou just broke it down right there, it can't be broken down any better in my estimation. It's about the long term. That's what Brian Cashman is looking at. He's not looking to make that huge deal like he's had to in the past, giving Max Scherzer basically the keys to the city and then you know getting maybe three years out of him. And for the last four years of his deal, maybe he turns into a CC. You know, he could he could be a very successful pitcher for the next seven years, but he's gonna be thirty seven at the end of that deal. He could also be Carl Pavano. You don't know. He could be in a Porsche and get hurt and not tell Cashman. Or, you know, it was so funny because he hurt his rear end and he hurt his elbow. So, you know the saying, it's always an ass or an elbow with you. It was literally an ass and an elbow with Carl Pavano. I just, you know, you never know what the future is going to bring. Unless you're Nostradamus. But here's the deal. I think Cashman right now, whether he's with this team in five or six years or not, I think he's setting them up to be successful down the road. The starting rotation, too. I mean, you've got guys, you've got Severino, who got to double A last year, has become a hot prospect. Brian Mitchell, if he's Shane Green version 2.0, that's pretty good. I mean, his ceiling, is he's he's a very similar pitcher, 
Very similar track record of and Shane Green controls a little off, but he's got good Shane stuff. Shane Green was, was able to spin yeah. you Didi Gregorius from yep. the Diamondbacks. So. And the, well, Vidal Nuno spun you Martin Prado. There you go. Um, or not Martin Prado, McCarthy. Yeah, um, McCarthy. You know, you've got Ian Clark in. You've got Ty Hensley down down in the lower levels. You've got guys. They've got three more years of Pineda. They've got three more years of Sabathia plus the vesting option. And by the way, Pat Venditti no longer with the organization. No, he signed with Oakland. He's with the A's, so no more switch pitcher in the Yankees organization. That sucks. He was he was a yeah. big Matt Stucco favorite. Was Stucco he really? loves Venditti. Yeah, yeah, he's he'll try to make it down there with the A's. That'll be interesting if he gets to the majors. I hope he does. Yeah, honestly, just to see it happen. Um, but you've got all these guys. They're lining up. They've got young starting pitching. Mm-hmm. That now you look at the rotation, and again, like I said, three more years of Sabathia. Pineda's got three more years, and you know you resign him. He's going to be, what, 27? I mean, yeah. when, when that contract ends? Yeah. Or when he's unarbitration eligible, if that's a word. <laughs> you know, you've, you've got six more years of Tanaka. You've, you've, you're being set up. It's the long game. And mark my words, how you said Eli will win his third Super Bowl, he may only be here for one year. He may be resigned. I, he's in his 30s, so it's not, he's not going to have a lengthy Yankee career. The Garrett Jones acquisition will work out for the Yankees, at least in some short term, as well as the trade I mentioned before when they got Nick Swisher. When they brought him in, when they didn't have a first baseman, we're like, all right, well, he could be kind of a fourth outfielder or a first baseman. Then we got to Sherris, so who's kind of like whatever. And then Xavier Nady blows out his elbow in April, and Nick Swisher Nick has Swisher's four starting right pretty damn good years in right field in Yankee Stadium and becomes a, a cult hero. Yeah. I, I have this feeling about Jones that he might be – like a Paul O'Neill fan favorite type player because of the way he approaches the mm-hmm. game. And I just think that was a huge get. For and the if Yankees. the dude, he's a, he's a lefty hitting in Yankee stadium yeah. with good pop. If the yeah. dude hits 30 home runs, he'll be a fan favorite. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. There'll be Jones signs out in the outfield with the O being a bullseye. Yep. And you know what? If Carlos Beltran gets hurt again or something happens to Gardner Ellsbury and they don't want young to play every day, Garrett Jones is going to be the fifth outfielder. Cause he's a, he's got experience in the corners. He's going to get it. He's going to get it between, a-Rod being A-Rod, Teixeira being injury-prone lately, Beltran being injury-prone and old, and the fact that Chris Young is the only other outfielder on the roster, he's going to get chances to play. Yes, absolutely. He's not going to sit there. No, not at all. Why would he? Um, even DH him. I mean, yeah. if A-Rod isn't doing the job, and who knows if A-Rod even makes the team, Garrett Jones could be a DH as well. He's going to get chances. It'll be fun to watch. Yeah, it's going to be fun to watch. I, listen, you can never predict injuries. In the last two seasons – Joe Girardi has pretty much been Hawkeye Pierce from MASH. Yeoman's work he's done. Uh, unbelievable. I mean, the, the stuff he's had to deal with, it, it, with, with, his, with his players on the DL and key players on the DL. One year it was the pitching. The next year it was – or the one year it was the lineup. The next year it was the pitching. He's, he, I think he's done a great job managing. I think if the Yankees stay healthy – They'll be in it the whole season, and I, I'm pretty sure if, if the starting pitching holds true with the improvements they've made to this bullpen, they're a playoff team. I don't know if they're a World Series that's, champion. They're a playoff That's team. the other thing that, that we didn't even mention in the Brian Cashman love fest here is that the bullpen. they have acquired this season. And now, Gonzalez Herman was designated for assignment yesterday when they traded for Chris Martin. Um, cold play reference. I'm not even going to make it. I'm just going to say cold play reference. Uh before before the move was officially announced and Herman was officially designated for assignment, Martin was the seventh relief pitcher with major league experience that Brian Cashman has acquired in the last two months, starting with Justin Wilson all the way down to Chris Martin. And how do you protect yourself when your starters might get injured? You have Adam Warren, who's who Cashman said Cashman said he's was told him and David Phelps, who's now gone. Was told to prepare to come into spring training as a starter. And you know damn you well. look at Johan Santana. Yep. And you know damn well that Adam Warren this year is going to be what Shane Green was last year. He's going to be that next man up. You know, there was a quote-unquote competition between Nova, Pineda, Warren, and Phelps last year for the last two spots. And it was really kind of like Nova's in and Pineda's the guy if he doesn't get right. hurt. But Adam Warren and David Phelps pitched as starters every fifth, sixth day. Split squads, everything like that. He's going to be that guy. Somebody gets hurt if Tanaka's elbow snaps, if Sabathia's knee can't hold up, if Pineda's back hurts, if Chris Capuano, anything happens to him, if Ovaldi, you know, something happens to him, he's the next man up, and you've got 13 guys behind him in the bullpen that just move right up the line. 
I just love what he's done. Uh, maybe I'm in the minority here. I know you're with me, but I've lo- I loved what he's done this offseason, and I'm actually excited for this 2015 season with the New York Yankees. I am. Yeah. I mean, he hasn't made any splashy signings. The Yankees haven't signed any top 100 free agents other than Andrew right. Miller. Right. But you know what? He got, he got the guy in the bullpen, replaced the guy in the bullpen. He got a ton of bullpen depth. He got a young starter. He got a shortstop. He went out and re-signed his third baseman. It's the long game, like I said. Yeah. Talk, come talk to me in 2018 and tell me if you hate it on him in the winter of 2014-15. Exactly. We'll, we'll see where we both stand. Partner, it's another hour and five minutes. Another baby. hour of power. Another hour of power with DePietro and Sheeran here on the SNetwork.com and the iTunes podcast. Follow it on Twitter. Subscribe to this on iTunes. It downloads right to your smart device, and it's extremely smart. If you download this and subscribe to it. Uh, That's all I got, buddy. That's all I got, too. All right. That's going to wrap it up for this edition of the Chris Sheeran Show. Don't forget, next week, a special guest. If you're an astute sports fan, you probably know who it is coming on. Um, But I'll just tell you this. It's going to be a great listen. (laughs) And neither of us could wait till next week. So until then, we'll see you next week, everybody. Thanks for listening, truly and seriously. And we'll see you next time here on the Chris Sheeran Show.